I the only one excited about spring? <clears throat> well, we have got a lot of ground to cover today, folks. Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? We're going to start with Exodus 3.8, and then we have two passages in Joshua. <clears throat> this is God to Moses. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And then Joshua chapter 14. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb son of Jephunneh and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Joshua 15. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahaman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Debir. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Zephyr. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. One day when she came to him, to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor since you have given me land in the Negev. Give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you. Lord, hide me behind the cross today so that we could hear your powerful voice, your sweet voice, your whisper that dispels everything else we've been thinking and believing. Cleanse us, we pray. And make us your lights in this current day, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. The title of the message today is Fighting 
for your identity. Point one is there is a place for you. God said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to bring you in a land and it's going to be a spacious land that flows with milk and honey and there is a place in that land that has your name on it. David says in Psalm 18, 19, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. God wants you to know that in the fullness of his salvation, there is a spacious place for your feet where you are not walking on eggshells, where you're not living in fear that you're going to backslide, where, where you are confident in God, you are confident in the ground under you called grace. It is a spacious place, and God has delighted to give it to you. This is what he's given for believers, a place called identity that is spacious. Secondly, he says it is a place that will flow. We all share salvation. And in, in one sense, all of the Israelites shared the land and they took the land together. But within that land, there was a specific place for each tribe, a specific place for each family. And in this text, we've got the place that was promised to Caleb. This is a place that God has given you that is uniquely yours. 1 Corinthians 12 says that this is how God has designed us. That we are like a body. Everybody has a part in the body. Everybody has a unique place that the Holy Spirit's appoint. And when you walk in that place and you get out of pride that is trying to be better than others and I don't need others, and you get out of insecurity that says, well, because I'm not this, then I'm nothing. And you get out of pride, you get out of insecurity, and you take your place. Something called flow begins to come into your life. Jesus said it like this. Whoever's thirsty and believes in me and, and drinks from me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. When you partner with the Holy Spirit in who you uniquely are and in your unique assignment, there begins to be a flow out of you that blesses the entire body of Christ. I was fascinated my son sent me this thing uh, from psychologists about people uh, finding their, their place. And they literally call, when you find the place you're supposed to be in, they call it flow. You find flow. There is a place of flow for you and me that is very unique in this land called salvation. Thirdly, it will require a battle. God, here's what he's basically saying. I got good news and bad news. Good news is, it's a great land. It's spacious. There's plenty of room there. It flows with milk and honey. Um, here's the bad news. It's, currently, there are people living there. The ites are all there. And, and, and you're, you're going to have to do battle. You're, you're, you're not going to coast into your identity. You're going you're gonna to have to fight. Your, 
Your identity is being challenged. There is going to be enemies that have to be defeated for you to come into the fullness of what I have for you. And Caleb, I love Caleb. He says, give me, give me what was promised. Give me the hill country. Give me, I want everything that God wants me to have. I want everything that God has promised me. And I'm not afraid of a fight. I'm not afraid of the Anakim. I'm not afraid of the giants that are there. God helping me, we will take that land. God wants to arouse our spirits to this willingness to battle for the fullness of what God has for us. So in our passage here, it says several times that that Caleb was wholehearted. Way back in Numbers, when, when the, the, the judgment was coming because they didn't go in, God said none of them are going in except for Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. And he specifically says about Caleb, because he has been wholehearted in serving me. Now let me tell you something about being wholehearted for Jesus. Part of being wholehearted is believing that he is wholehearted for you. Part of being all in is believing that God is all in for you. This isn't about what I'm going to do for God. It's about God's ability to do stuff for me. In Mark chapter 10, we have the story of the rich young ruler, and he says, what do, we, what do I lack? And, and basically, Jesus says to him, here's what you lack, abandonment. You lack, whole, you lack wholeheartedness. You're, you're measured in your obedience, and you're not willing to be all in. He goes away, and Jesus says how hard it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of God, and, and uh and, and then, you know, the disciples say, who then can be saved? And Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And, and then Peter asks the question that's gnawing at him. What about us? What do we get? <laughs> it's just honest. He says, uh, we've left everything for you. We've left home, we've left family, we, we are all in. That guy's not all in, he decided not to be, but we are. What, what do we get? Here's Jesus' response to him. I'm going to read it to you. This is Mark chapter 10. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Let me give you my paraphrase. If you go all in for me, Jesus says, your life, I promise this, will be a hundred times better. In this present life, 
I'm going to give you family all over the world. I'll give you brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers all over the place. Any family that that has rejected you, you're going to get family multiplied by a hundred. Any homes or lands or financial sacrifice you made. Listen, I own every home. I can open homes to you in every country. I've got places. It all belongs to me. And I'm going to take care of you in this present life with persecution. You're you're going you're, you it's it's you're going to have some difficulties. People, you're gonna you're gonna be, you're gonna be going against the grain. There's going to be persecution, and in the life to come, eternal life. When you're all in for God, He's all in for you, and He wants you to know that. Notice your place. Your identity, you're not going to fully get into it without other people's help. He, has, he says, I need help with, with this. And, and Othniel comes and alongside of him and helps him. And, and, and that's, that's why the church is here. We're, we're here to, to not just get in ourselves, but to help each other. Find your place. Find, encourage each other. Dust off discouragement. Help you recognize gifts. Help you flow. Help you be protected when you're out of bounds. Help you to find who you are. Encourage you as you find your place we we encourage you and this is kind of what pastors the past that's why we have pastors pastors are, are supposed to cover you or protect you and release you we are a success when you are a success we want you to find your place we don't want to hold you back we want you to be released into the fullness but we want to protect you in the process so sometimes you don't get to do everything you want to do as quickly as you want to do it and it's for your own good just like just like parents we need each other to get to find our place. And notice also that others are affected. God says, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. And we see it right away. We see his daughter Axa saying, from your inheritance, Father, give me this. And he's like, yeah, it's yours just because you asked. That when we take our place, all those that come after us are blessed. There is a place for you. Point two, enemies to conquer. I want to give you three enemies to conquer to get into your place. Number one, the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I want to give you the tragedy of identity. Here's the tragedy in America today. It's probably all over the world. Here's the tragedy. Even though all people were created unique, most spend their lives trying to be a copy. Even though all people were created unique, most spend their lives trying to be a copy. Song of Songs 2.14. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. 
Why are people trying to be a copy? Why, why do people go to magazines and say, this, this is the haircut I want, and this is what I want to look like, and this is, this is, this is, why are we always trying to be like somebody else? Why in high school is everybody trying to be popular, and you look at that, you study the popular kids, what are they doing? You want to copy them and say what they're saying and be what they're saying. Why is that? Insecurity. We don't think there's a place for us. We don't think who we are is good enough, but that person seems to be good enough, so I'm going to try to be like them. I'm going to try to follow them. I'm going to try to be what they are. And God says to those who are hiding in the clefts of other people's identities, he says this, I want to see your face. I find you lovely. You don't have to look like somebody else. You don't have to have all of the stuff that you think you have to have. I find you beautiful. And I want you to agree with me on that. Well, God, nobody else is saying I'm beautiful. Well, don't get your identity from anybody else then. I'm saying you're beautiful. I want to hear your voice. You know, you can lose your voice and you can become an echo of what everybody else is saying. And God God wants to hear your voice. You know, one one of the places people lose their voice, this is horrible, in religion. I'm just going to say what everybody wants me to say. I'm going to say what I'm supposed to say. And, and it's no longer from our heart. It's just religion. And it's just, I'm just, I'm just going through the motions. And, and that's how people can come in and out of church and absolutely be unchanged. They just come in and they put on the copy of whatever they think God wants and, and come in and come out and boop, did the religion thing. Guys, this, 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 you, get, you want to find your voice? Get real with God. Get honest with God. God already knows anyway. Stop hiding. I, I understand why the LGBT community celebrates when someone comes out. What are they celebrating? Courage? Somebody, somebody comes out and says, I'm this, or I'm that, or, or I believe I'm this, or I believe I'm that. And what they're saying is, I, I refuse to live under the shame and the fear of not being good enough for you, or not being liked by you, or not being accepted by you, and this is who I am, deal with it. And it takes a certain courage to do that. God's calling us all to be courageous. He's calling us all to break the power of the fear of man and be who we uniquely are. Second enemy that you're going to have to overcome to come into the full identity God has for you is you're going to have to, you're going to, have to overcome your own brokenness. Some Christians settle for an identity in the wilderness and reduce Christianity to wandering there while waiting 
for heaven. That, that I'm just, all, all Jesus has given me is forgiveness of sins. I've come out of Egypt. I belong to him, and one day I'm going to go to heaven, but that's it. And, and for now, I just, I just keep sinning in the same ways, and I just wander around, and it's kind of pathetic, but praise God, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And it's, it's settling for an identity less than all that Jesus died for, for you and I to have. Others persevere. Maybe I haven't come into the fullness. Maybe I'm still struggling, but I'm persevering. I want all that God wants for me. Tuesday morning, I was working on this message. It's when I began working on it. Wednesday's my study day, but I, I oftentimes get a jump start on Tuesdays and I had a pastor's meeting, and, and of course that night we had prayer meetings. So between the pastor's meeting and prayer meeting, I went home for a little while, and a man, a man came to the door, and he said, uh, he knew I was a pastor, and he said, I wanted to stop by and tell you my story. I'm like, come on in. Oh, and he gave me permission to tell the story that he told Here. And he had such joy in telling his story. Of course, he had no idea what I was going to preach on on Sunday or what I was studying that morning or anything like that. But he just, he just stopped by and said, I want to tell you my story. And he said that he, he grew up Christian but struggling with same-sex desire. He said... He said, I never owned an identity of homosexuality, but just treated it as a fight. And, uh, and he said it was exasperated by an uncle that molested me. And, uh, and he said, I, but, I, but I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a wife, and I wanted to have children. And, and so uh, got married, had children. My wife knew about the same-sex desire thing, and and he said it almost destroyed our marriage at one point. And he said, I asked God, why am I not free indeed? Why am I not free indeed? Why, why do I struggle with this? Why? And, and, uh, and then he said last year, he's in his 60s, he said last year he described the encounter that he had with God and the healing that came to him from God, and it was astonishing. And he said, uh, he said, I am, I am free in a way that I've never been free before. He said, my wife and I are happier than we've ever been. I, we enjoy intimacy together now in a way that I never did before, which was part of the problem. And he said, he said, that's my that's my story. He said, he said, Pastor Tom, why? Why in my 60s? I've been fighting my whole life. Why in my 60s am I finding this freedom that eluded me all those years? And he was very careful to say, I'm still vigilant. That's an area of weakness, and I'm, I still watch out for that, and I'm still vigilant around that. But, but I found a freedom that I never had all those years. He said, why my 60s? I said, I said, bro, 
Caleb was 85. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb wandered around in a wilderness for 40 years because of other people's decisions, because of other people's stuff. And he persevered. And how many know whenever you come into freedom, it's worth it? Because we're not just alive for time anyway. We're alive for all eternity. So God's calling all of us to not settle, but to persevere to fullness. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love what they do for people. I love how many people that they have helped. There's one thing that I have a problem with with Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous takes you out of Egypt, but it doesn't take you into the promised land. <laughs> you, you get out of drinking and having your life destroyed by alcohol, but you get out, so you, you get out of that lifestyle of alcohol, but then you're forced in every meaning to say, I am an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. Well, you're never going to go into the promised land if your main identity is alcoholic. You were an alcoholic. Now you're a favored son and daughter who still has a weakness in that area where you have to be vigilant and you have to watch out for it. But don't, don't make your identity brokenness. Make your identity favored son and daughter. We are all broken, but not equally broken and not broken in the same way. Do you know the only people that were directly created by God were Adam and Eve? Everybody else was born after sin. Adam and Eve sinned, and so the whole human race was born into brokenness we we were all we were all there god in his perfect foreknowledge god doesn't see things like we do we think we, we see time passing and more and more people are being born for god they're all there right away and god sees the effects of sin and that brokenness is going to follow the human race and it's going to multiply sin of generations will be passed on and so brokenness so he foresees every one of us being born and he knows how we are broken and how much we're broken and what ways we're broken. The, the writer of Hebrews says that everyone has an easily besetting sin. Perfection was off the table right from the beginning. God, that's why God relates to the human race through something called redemption. Right from the beginning, it was never about perfection. It was about redemption. It wasn't about trying to not be broken. It was about accepting brokenness, but Finding healing in him. Brokenness is not sin. Brokenness is an inherited vulnerability or weakness that can easily lead to an identity that is less than God intends for us. Don't settle for an identity that's in your brokenness. Third enemy that we're going to have to face is our defiance. Numbers 14, one and, it's 2 and 3 actually. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, 
if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? God is the one that brought them out. God is the one that said, I'm going to bring you into this promised land, this land that's spacious, that's flowing in milk and honey. God is the one that said, I'm going to, I'm going to fight for you and fight with you and give you this land. And these people say, in defiance, we refuse to trust in the goodness and the power of God. And in our opinion, it would have been better for us if we hadn't even left Egypt. We want to make our identity back in Egypt. Defying, not just Moses and Aaron, but defying God. Now, do, you, do, you, do we all realize that this is deception? They've got these memories of Egypt. Egypt was a land of slavery. Don't call Egypt freedom. Egypt was slavery. Don't, call, don't say that's the good place. That is a place of slavery. It's deception. Part of the promised land today, part of your place, is sexual purity. This is God's promise to you. He will make you sexually pure through his forgiveness and through his grace if you will only trust him. But God, I've ruined it. God, I've done this. God, I've done that. God, you know this, this, this. God says, yeah, I know all of that. But I'm not looking at just that. I'm looking at my forgiveness. I'm looking at the blood I shed. I'm looking at the grace that I'm willing to impart. And, but God, no, you don't understand, God. The, the, uh, there's giants in the land that, that are huge and they speak to me. G- and Jesus says, yeah, know about those. That's why the victory is going to be so amazing. Lord, you don't know about the thick walls of these cities, the thick walls of my strongholds. This is my thinking. This is how I'm bent. This is how I'm going. And God says, yeah, I know all about that. But I'm more powerful. I can bring those down. You and I are going to do this together. Come on. Come on. Let's do this. Wouldn't it be better if we went back to Egypt? America, American culture has decided that it's better to make our identity in sexual freedom than in sexual purity. Let let me define sexual freedom for you. I can have sex with anyone I want to and at any time, including with myself while looking at pornography, and it's not just okay, it's who I am. Sexual freedom. America has decided that God, God's sexual purity is boundaries and restrictions that are unfair, that are unloving, and therefore, I get a, this is going to be my identity, and we're going to evangelize it absolutely everywhere. Everybody has to agree with this. Little knowing that sexual freedom actually leads to sexual 
bondage. And it's absolutely destroying lives. So what does the defiance look like? Here's, here's what it says. We reject the God of the apostles and prophets and choose to make our own humanistic God, small g, instead. Our God, small g, has no boundaries or crosses for us. He only wants us to be happy and comfortable right now. Exodus 32.4 He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And then it says they engaged in pagan revelry. No one wants to defy God directly. So we're just going to change God. Paul says in the last days, they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power of being godly. Paul says, watch out, because in the last days, people are going to have itching ears, and they're going to surround themselves with teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Watch out. Many churches today have been poisoned by American culture. And, and are believing something and preaching something in the name of love that is, it's, it's not the God of the Bible. We need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. And of course, we especially need to pray for our younger generation. Because it's hard, it's hard to see defiance. Especially when you put God's name on it. All right, point three, last point, an identity given by God. Make your identity in the healer, not in your healing. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul's easily besetting sin is pride. And so God has allowed this thorn. I'm so, I'm so grateful that we don't know what the thorn is. Every, all the scholars, everybody's got a, it was this, it was this, it was this. I think God left it unnamed for a reason. It represents whatever's in your life that you would never choose for yourself. Which, which it comes from Satan. This is, this is darkness. This is, this is not who I want to be, but it's part of me right now. And most people prematurely make that their cross. Paul didn't. Paul asked God to deliver him three times. Three times. 
And he heard the voice of God. I'm not removing it right now. I'm leaving it there. The, the, the right of every child of God is to ask to be, be delivered from thorns. <laughs> Whatever it is that the enemy is doing, darkness is doing, you've got a right to ask God to be delivered from it. Absolutely. But sometimes, God leaves it there. And it's a cross that you bear. And so, if, if your identity is in your healing, well then, as long as I have this thorn, I, I can't be complete. I can never be complete because I'm supposed to be healed and other people have told me I'm supposed to be healed and other people have told me I need to be better and I need to be like this and I need to be like this, yet I have this thorn and so I can never be complete or I certainly can't make others happy because I'm supposed to be a certain way and I have this thorn. But Paul's not waiting to be complete. And God's inviting him. I want you to become complete right now, Paul. Not in your healing, but in me and in my grace. I want you to accept that you are complete in me. And that whatever thing darkness has got in you or on you, whatever thorn you're carrying around as a cross, that is not your identity. And it will not hinder my work through you. So let's say you've got a disease. Let's say you've got a disease that you've had from birth. You've got some type of disability from birth. And you have asked God, please God, heal me. I've, you've come up to the healing line and you've been prayed for for healing and, and for whatever reason, you're not healed yet. Here's my encouragement to you. Your sickness, your disease, your disability is not your identity. Jesus is your identity. Grace is your identity. And maybe, maybe you're not going to get healed in this life. Maybe you won't get healed until heaven. But listen, it does not have to be a hindrance unless you own it as your identity. And, and your whole life will then revolve around your sickness and your treatment and your this. And it will, it will suffocate your life if you make it your identity. And then if God did heal you, you wouldn't even know who you were. Because I, I, my whole identity was in my sickness. Don't make an identity in the thorn. Make your identity in Jesus and in the grace of God. And never, never say the words, if I didn't have this, then God could use me. No, God, no, God says, Paul, this isn't in my way of using you. I, I'm, I'm, my power is going to be seen more clearly because of your weakness. You're going to be a greater testimony because of your weakness. So, Same-sex desire. Same-sex attraction. Is certainly a cross. And I want to encourage the entire body of Christ that the people that I've talked to that are dealing with same-sex attraction, almost all of them, don't want to have it. They want, they want, to, get, they, they, they want to get rid of it. 
And so they don't, they don't need judgment from the body of Christ because they're experiencing same-sex attraction. They need compassion. They need to recognize, it's all right, that's not your identity. Jesus is your identity. And if you don't get healed, of course, Christians, it, it bothers Christians to no end, evangelical Christians, that everybody should be healed. Everybody should be better. Nobody should, should have this. You're not God. You're not God. I, yes, I contend for healing. I want people to be healed. I want people to, to be free. But if God leaves crosses in some people's lives, that's between him and them. But don't make that your identity. Don't cling to that as your identity. This is who I am. No, who I am as a favored son, a favored daughter, greatly loved and favored by God. And yep, I got a vulnerability in this area. But I'm watchful. And it's not going to keep me from any of God's promises for me. Last point. Actually, this is part of the last point. Because the last point was, I'll tell you what the last point was called. An identity given by God. Make your identity in God's love for you, not in your devotion to him. So, wow, it's almost eight years now. I had, it was my first sabbatical. Alice and I went out to Bethel in Redding, California, and we, we heard a guy for a whole week, it was a it was a week on healing, and the guy that led it was a guy named Chris Gore, and he it was it was just a great week, and God was making a shift in me in many areas. But one significant thing was Chris Gore just mentioned this this booklet he wrote called John's Secret, and here was John's secret. Here's what the booklet was about: that Peter made his identity in his commitment and devotion to Jesus. That he was going to be the greatest, and he was, he was all in. And they, were always, they would always get in this argument, which one of them was the greatest. And, and Peter was always revved up, and he said, they might all deny you, but I will die for you. And, and that turned out to be a very flimsy identity. It turned into this. It ended up in a lot of humiliation and um, Peter's identity was in what he was going to do and what he was going to be for Jesus. But John's identity was different. John, John way outlived all the rest of them. John lived into his 90s. He was a teenager at the time. They were all much older. James is his older brother. John is just a teenager. When they're having all those fights of which one is going to be the greatest, John isn't even in the fight. John is just leaning on Jesus' breast. He's just, he's just leaning back on him just listening to these guys talk. And John takes on a very different identity. He calls himself all the way through the book of John, not the apostle called by God, not the great prophet that will be given revelation. He calls himself this, the disciple that Jesus loves. That doesn't sound very impressive. (laughs) 
the disciple that Jesus loves? That's your identity? Is that Jesus loves you? Oh my. This is the most powerful identity. And it leads to this consistent Christian. I, I changed my identity. 2013, I was always wanting to be great for God, make a big influence for God, and then I got a hold of this. I'm like, this is where the life is. I don't start out in the morning, Jesus, I love you anymore. I start out in the morning, Jesus, you love me. I am the beloved. I am loved of God. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. This, this is the source of all freedom. This is the source of all security and identity. I am the beloved. And allowing the love of God to wash over your identity. It's so easy, isn't it, in church? Say, oh yeah, we already believe that. Guys, I'm not talking about what you believe. I'm not talking about your theology. I'm talking about your identity. Do you know it in your identity? I am the beloved. Paul is praying for the Ephesians, who are great Christians. He's praying for them, that, that, their, that their eyes would be opened, that they would be able to know by experience the love of God, the height, length, width, and depth of the love of God, so that they might come into the fullness of what God has for them. The fullness of God for you hinges on you getting a revelation of how much he loves you. But, God, but Tom, I'm, I'm broken, I'm, I've sinned, I'm, uh, I can't. Guys, he's not like us. He already knew all that when he decided to love you. He's not re-evaluating you based on your last sin. <gasps> I can't believe they did that. Uh, Jesus crossed them off the list. I, I can't believe they did that. He, he already knows it all. P Peter, you're going to deny me three times for your own good. You're going to see that your devotion is weak. But you're coming back, Peter. I've prayed for you. And you're going to come back. After Tuesday night, uh, one of our young adults sent me this testimony. It was a vision that she had that night and a testimony. And I asked her if I could share it on Sunday morning, and she said, yeah. It will help somebody else. Go ahead and share it. Here it is. The vision I had started with a picture of a garden that God wants to cultivate in our lives, removing the unwanted plants. It's easy for us to understand removing weeds, but sometimes beautiful, seemingly good plants and blossoms need to be removed and or relocated too. You asked for testimony of awakening. I grew up the good girl, innocent, naive, and perhaps it was a religious spirit, but I would find myself searching hard for all my areas of sin and felt a need to feel guilty and remorseful about it. Since then, I certainly have lived as a sinner. Some perversion snuck in sometime in high school, and most recently I was struggling with masturbation. At the very beginning of this year, I recognized I wasn't choosing God first in every way. I didn't have any deeper revelation than that, simply wanting him to be first and be my focus. I received prayer while at a retreat, and a person prayed, I feel perversion being broken off of you. 
And since then, I have been free. I experienced God's love that night, and I truly believe stepping into a posture to receive his love was what brought healing to my broken area, even without that brokenness being my conscious objective. God is so awesome. What I saw and what I pray for the church and for my generation and those younger is for the Lord to drop boulders in front of the paths that aren't the, the one way to God through Jesus. The only boulder I want removed for them is the one that's already been rolled away, the one at Jesus' tomb. We each have our own garden and God is the only one who knows what it needs. We are surrounded by his promises, by promises he has made to us to make the most beautiful and fruitful land. But the Lord has got to be our landscaper. So in just a moment, we are going to turn all of the lights off and we're going to play a song by John Thurlow called Never Dying Love. The words will be up here, but I don't want you to sing. I want you to receive. I want you to allow the love of God to wash over you. I, I don't want you to focus on you giving something to God. I want you to just focus on receiving something from God. So right before I came up here, one of our prophetic people gave me this word. I want to read it to you. As I've been sitting quietly in the sanctuary, I felt the love of God and the peace of God flood over me. It penetrated my soul as I watched people come in. The Lord spoke to me and said, I love that person and that one and that one. I love them all beyond anything they can imagine. If you're watching online, even an archived video, this includes you. He's saying, let my love penetrate the darkness that surrounds you. Let my love set you free. We're going to turn the lights off. We're going to play this song. And then, Lauren, I'm going to ask you to come up on the platform before the song is done. Lauren's going to share something. Chris, you'll need a, a microphone. So, let's just, just receive now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your beloved that you would wash over us with your love. Father, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, whatever walls of defensiveness we've made up, whatever we don't agree with, Lord, could we just lay it down and just say, all right, Jesus, go ahead and love me. So thank you, Jesus. I thank you, um, even if it's just for one of my brothers, one of my sisters to hear today, Lord, I, I thank you. Um, I pray that you would speak through me um, straight to them. Um, so the Holy Spirit put this strong impression on my heart this morning when we were worshiping um, about a vision that I had months ago. And um, it was just a really powerful vision. And in the vision, I was in a hospital bed and I just heard 
um, just the beeping of the machines. Um, and then I started to hear Jesus' voice. And at first it was like really soft whisper, you are free, you are free, you are free. And then started wavering in between just like seeing Jesus in my face <laughs> and going back to the hospital bed and back to seeing Jesus in my face and back to the hospital bed. It was like, it was like the physical world and then the spiritual world and then the physical world and then the spiritual world. And um, Jesus took my hands and just like this <laughs> and he had his hands over mine and he was up in my face this close <laughs> and he just kept saying you are free you are free you are free you are free because I have called you free and I just pray that um that God would just wash over all of my brothers and sisters. And God, I just thank you. I thank you that you have a new level of freedom for every single one of us. And I thank you, God, that you turn graves into gardens, that you turn shame into glory. We just thank you, Lord, and we worship you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. God, I release a spirit of freedom over every single one of my brothers and sisters. And I just thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're doing behind the scenes that we don't even know. We just praise you, and we love you, and we thank you. Would you mind standing with me? So two identities, one hopefully, hopelessly sick on a hospital bed, beep, 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 beep. An identity maybe that other people have given, or that you've taken yourself, and this is just, this is just who I am. I'm just, I'm just this. And a second identity in the spirit, Jesus is saying, come on, come on, take my hand. Take my identity in freedom. Would you mind just opening your arms to the Lord right now? Father, I'm praying for every one of my brothers and sisters. I'm praying for myself that the spirit of Caleb would be on us. <laughs> that we would be absolutely fearless to say, God, I, I am all in for God, but I, I, I know this. God is all in for me. And whatever enemies are there, whatever enemies try to restrict me and make me afraid and make me crippled in my spirit, whatever, whatever those enemies are, they will, not, they will not identify me. They will not be my identity. Jesus... Fill me. Free me. I break every false identity in this room in Jesus' name.
I break every false identity that's based on the fear of man, that's based on me having to be a copy, me having to live on stage every day of my life because who I am isn't good enough. So I always have to appear. I always have to be, I have to remember which group I'm with so that I, I don't displease them because I, I so long to be accepted. I break that thing in Jesus' name. You are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted by Jesus. And if Jesus has given you acceptance, then no man or woman can take that away in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for all those that have stopped short of that full identity. They've stopped in the wilderness and say, just, they, they probably felt this is all you wanted for them. And so, but praise God, I'll go to heaven one day. Yeah, I'm going to spend my life wandering. That's what my Christian life has basically been. Wandering around, sinning, confessing, sinning, confessing, sinning, confessing, and hope Jesus comes soon. Lord, I, I, I break that spirit of hopelessness and discouragement. I break that thing in Jesus' mighty name. We are going into the land. We are going into fullness. We are going into freedom. We, uh, we refuse every identity except favored son and favored daughter. That is who I am. I may have some weaknesses. I may be bearing some crosses. But I'm a favored son and daughter. We refuse every other identity in Jesus' name. And then, Father, I pray for those. And there are many in our culture that have just gotten into defiance by just kind of believing what our culture has evangelized us with. And just that it would be unloving for there to be any boundaries on our sexuality, for there to be any crosses uh, associated. That, that No, I, I refuse any boundary, any cross. I, I, I just, Lord, we don't want to make Egypt our promised land. So break deception off of our hearts. Break deception off of our culture. Make us truth bearers, but in perfect love. And then, Father, I pray especially that the church would not live in fear of people that have crosses that are very different than ours. Lord, that we would love everybody, whatever cross they are bearing, and have compassion for them, not judgment. Lord, our, our, our sign says, come as you are. And if we can't let people come as they are, then we should take that sign down. But God, I, I believe you're the only one that can make that true about this church. Help us to love everybody just as they are. And let your love radically change us all, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Woohoo! All right, guys, have a great day. God bless you.